0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. For the next couple of weeks, I want to talk to y'all a little bit about end times. You know, what's going on right now. Now, I'm not going to get into the specific things that you see going on in the world today, such as what's going on in Israel, what's going on. Joe Morris has an excellent website if you want to look at those things. He updates that every week. It's end times. Joe Morris Ministries, end times. And he updates things uh, about why we are where we're at and he has a lot of information on there that we're not going to go into the uh there Uh, tonight i want to specifically focus on the rapture of the church okay and the difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming of jesus christ uh the first five years i was saved i didn't know nothing i mean you know you know, when you get saved, you have this exuberance about you that you just want to tell, tell everybody about Jesus. You know, because when you get born again, something changes inside of you. If you say you got born again and nothing changes, you need to go revisit that. Okay. But I remember I got saved. and I, I sent every, every person at uh, Channel 13, I sent them a tract. And I had, this was 1975. I'd just gotten out of the Army a few weeks before that. And I got born again in, in Jesus. I mean, something changed when I got born again. Something changed in me. Uh, Those of you in study school that have heard my testimony know that that something changed in me. Light came into me and darkness went out. Because the Bible says we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Some of us are more peculiar than others. That we should show forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Amen. But I want to talk specifically tonight about the differences between the rapture of the church and the second coming. When I got saved, I couldn't tell you the difference between the second coming and second base. But, and again, we've been teaching Sunday school here for about eight years. Brother George, Ella, my wife, and myself, we've been teaching. And I started on the book of John. That took about three years. And then we went through the book of Ephesians, verse by verse, verse by verse. And that took about three and a half years. And uh, we, March of last year, I was just finishing up, for those of you that are in the adult Sunday school class, I was just finishing up the book of Ephesians. And I began to pray. So, okay, Lord, what do you want me to teach on next? He said, he told me end times. I said, end times? I don't know much about end times. But you know, but I can read. Hallelujah. Praise God. I can study. You know, I can do those things. So I begin to to study on the end times and to see where we're at. The next great, and I'm here to tell you that the next great event on God's calendar is the signless, there will be no signs. Rapture of the church. Okay, what is the rapture of the church? The rapture of the church. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, 51. So you know, sometimes we think. When you've been in church for a while, you think, well, everybody knows this. And we kind of talk about things. We, we throw terms out there that you realize that not everybody has heard because some people that have been saved for just a few times. They're still, they're still babies, really. Because really, we're, we start out as babies, right? Yeah, yeah. We desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. So we start out as babies, but the Christian process is a maturing process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Okay? You, don't, you don't start out and then give up. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll get to it in a minute, and let's look at verse 51, 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Now before I do that, I've got to really watch my time, but before we do that, I want you to understand that there's different, varying views on the rapture of the church and the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Okay, the rapture of the church, there's three predominant viewpoints in the church today. And listen, okay, before we go any further, if you don't agree with some of the things I say, leave your rocks and seashells at the door, okay? <laughs> don't stone me. Because the thing, that when you, when it concerns, the thing about end time events, it's not a salvation issue. It is not a salvation issue. It is a, it is a sovereignty issue, okay? Because everything, just, just about everything that pertains to the end times is the sovereignty of God. What do you mean by that? God's going to do it whether we believe it or not. He's going to do it whether we believe it or not. It's not a grace issue. Grace, anything connected with the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is by grace. We have to accept it and receive it by faith. But anything that is a sovereignty of God, God's going to do it whether anybody believes Him or not. I mean, when He created the heavens and the earth, was there anybody here to believe Him? Wasn't nobody here. He just did it He just did it because He wanted to. So, so don't confuse sovereignty with the grace of God. But, and, and again, if you don't agree with me, pray for me. If you want to argue, Roland, raise your hand. <laughs> Raise your hand, Roland. See, brother Roland, if you want to argue about something, because I don't, I don't argue. You know, I don't argue. We, we, you know, we walk in love towards each other. You know, I was looking at Facebook on Easter Sunday, and Christians on there arguing about whether Jesus went to hell or not. And I thought to myself, Lord, help us. You know, I'm glad. Aren't you so glad Jesus is the head of the church and we're not you know, arguing about whether Jesus went to hell or not? Well, he, if he didn't go, we'll have to. And that, that, should settle, that should settle that issue right there. But again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians is on resurrection. And look at verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. So Paul is saying, I'm showing you a mystery. The word there is mysterion in the Greek. And it's, 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 it refers to something that at one time in the past was hidden, but now it's revealed. It's not like a Perry Mason. Where you know there's a big mystery who did it? You know, nobody knows who did it. No, this is something that was hidden in the past, but it's now been revealed through the prophets. He said, Behold, said, I, show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Sleep is referred to as death for the Christian. Okay, why are Christians referred to as asleep? Because one day they're going to wake up. Yeah. Amen. One day we're gonna, the dead are never referred to as be, the dead. The unbelievers are never referred to as being dead or being asleep. They're referred to as being dead. They're going to wake up, but they're going to wake up at the wrong time. It's going to be the, right before the great white throne judgment. That's not going to be good for them. So the motto is get saved before that time. Amen? We sh- I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Notice he says who, who's, who's going to get saved? Who's going to get changed? All. There is a, there is a uh, and it's called the pre- partial rapture theory. And it states that only certain people who've attained a certain amount of spiritual maturity and, spirit and works are some, is going to go in the rapture of the church. That is not true. How can you say that? Because it's not in the Bible. Okay. Because we shall all be changed. And what is who is all? Okay. What, 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 you mean even carnal people? Who's, who's going to go in the rapture? All people who are born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ are going in the rapture of the church. God's not going to leave any of his body here. Okay? Amen. You say, well, what about these lukewarm Christians? You know, we look, well, who determines lukewarm? Where's the, what's the criteria for lukewarm? Oh, but you know, brother, you know, oh but our brother, you know he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. How many ever heard that? You know that's not in the Bible? Hold your place there and look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, real quick. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. Speaking of the church, it doesn't say he's coming for a church. Does anybody's Bible say he's coming for a church without spot or wrinkle? Is that what that says? What does it say? It says he will present it to himself, a church without spot or wrinkle. When is he going to present the church to himself without spot or wrinkle? At the judgment seat of Christ or the Bema. Because listen, we got some spots and wrinkles. I got spots and wrinkles, okay? You know, sometimes I I get up in the morning, sometimes I look in the mirror and I say, Ella, lukewarm. <laughs> I do. I, I'm just being truthful with you. You don't feel saved all the time, but you are. It's not what you feel, it's what He did for you. Yeah. And then I look at Ella, you know, and I say, What a beautiful wife I have. St- <laughs> what a beautiful wife I have at 66 years old. You thought I was going to say something mean, didn't you? <laughs> Roland thinks I have a mean spirit. <laughs> But praise God. No, he's coming for us. We're all going to be changed. In a moment. The mo- their word is atomos. It's a, it's a spirit of time that is so fast you cannot divide it any further. It's where we get the word atomic from. I show you we shall not be all changed. We shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. We are going to get, at the rapture of the church, we are going to get a resurrection body just like Jesus Christ. Look at Philippians chapter 2, chapter 3. Look at Philippians chapter 3 real quick. You know, I had a bunch of notes up here and everything. You know, I'm not using one bit. Sorry, Bo, take a break. Look at, look at Philippians chapter 3. But, you know, you've got to be led by the Holy Ghost in your everyday life. You know, I can tell you times when I worked in the refinery that he did things that saved my life. In other words, the explosions I've been through, the, you know, the, the explosion there at BP in 2005, I had just walked by that a few minutes before that happened. Killed 15 people. I had just walked by that very spot. So, the, But the Holy Ghost will protect you. If, you know, he that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Will, you, he'll, if you trust him, he'll lead you and guide you in what to do. Another time, I was getting ready to start a 2,400-volt motor, and I reached up to push that button, and the Holy Ghost said, don't touch that button. And I, and I remember my hand just froze, just like that. And I was just a young fellow in my early 30s. And uh, all of a sudden, the, they called me on the radio and said, don't start that motor. There's something wrong with it. He said. If that, they said if I'd have pushed that button, I could have been electrocuted with 2,400 volts. So, but the Holy Ghost, you need, we need the Holy Ghost yeah. to lead you and guide you every day, even on your job, in your house, whatever you're doing. But Philippians chapter, y'all thought I forgot about Philippians, didn't you? Philippians chapter 3. First, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our conversation, that means citizenship. The word "their conversation is citizenship. is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. Vile body there is a, is a, is a military term and it means one of the lowest rank. Our buck private bodies. <laughs> you know, this body we have right now is like a buck private. I, I was a buck private at one time. You know, that's a, that's a bad rank to be. You don't want to stay there very long. Okay? But one day, we're going to get a resurrection body, a glorified body, just like Jesus has. It's not going to be a new one. Okay, It's going to be this one, but it's going to be overhauled like you cannot even imagine at this time. It's going to be a glorified resurrection body. Well, what can a resurrection body do? Well, go look and see what Jesus did for the 40 days and nights he was here on the earth after he rose from the dead. And you'll get kind of an inkling of what you could do. Really, in, in, a, in, in Sunday school class, I always mention if I read a good book, I mention it to the Sunday school class uh, that, that you know, might want to read it. And a very good book. If you want to see a, a previews of coming attractions, what you have waiting for you, get a copy of Richard Sigmund's book, My Time in Heaven. Well, he was an evangelist, preached with, started preaching as a five-year-old boy. He preached with A.A. Allen. He, uh, in 1974, he was killed in a car wreck and was dead for eight hours. And they were just fitting ready to embalm the guy. And he woke back up <laughs> after eight hours. Okay, but you should go read that book and see some of the things that he saw in heaven while he was there and what you have waiting for it, what we have waiting for us. Okay, I tell you, it'll thrill you. you, you you'll, read that. you'll want to read that book. You'll want to put it down and then pick it back up and start right at the beginning again. It's, a, it's an outstanding book. Well, I don't know, brother. That's not the Bible now, you know. Well, listen, you don't have to agree with him. Just read it and see, what, see if it lines up scripturally, which it does. Okay. Verse 21, who shall change our vile low, lower in rank, but private body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Okay? So back to the talk about the rapture. Who's going in the rapture? If you're born again, well, what about all the spots and wrinkles again? Okay? Listen, God's going to take care of those. He's going to take care of those spots and wrinkles. He's going to present us to himself. Jesus is going to present us a church without spot or wrinkle. Well, what about all the spots? Okay, sin in your life can be forgiven. Okay? But the, the wood, hay, and the stubble that you generated while you were in sin, that's going to be judged. Okay. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. Look at, let, me, let me show you one more thing. And then I want to talk about the tri- I want to talk about the rapture. Romans chapter fourteen. You say, "What is the judgment seat of Christ?" Actually, the judgment seat—that's—it's uh, kind of a poor translation. In the English, it's it's translated judgment seat, but in the Greek, it's just one word, bima. Okay, and it means actually it means reward seat. Uh, fourteen, Romans fourteen, verse, verse ten, verse nine. 14. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the living dead and the living. But brother, why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? So we have an appointment. Once, we, once the rapture of the church takes place, or if we, if we leave this earth in physical death before that takes place, we're, we're going to come up out of the ground. Okay, then if we're still here, we're going to up, go up with the, with the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to establish something real quick and then we're going to move on. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And again, I had all these notes prepared and I'm not even using them. I'm sorry, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. My fault. Y'all forgive me? Thank you very much. Thank you, Ethel. I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, okay. When you start reading chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, you see that we're compared to a garden and we're compared to a foundation of a building, okay? What is that? That is the new birth. That's what happens when you get born again, okay? Now, When you read down a little bit, let's pick it up there in, let's look at pick it up in verse 9, for time's sake, let's pick it up in verse 9. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, oh no, back up, let me see. Look at verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, rather willing to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it is good or bad. Okay, so we're we're build, while we're in these bodies, we're born again. Okay, we're you're born again. If you're born again, your your citizenship is in heaven. We know that from the from Ephesians, we know that from Colossians, we know that from Philippians. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are what, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? We're ambassadors here for the Lord Jesus Christ. To, to give out the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Reconciliation is a big, long word in the Greek. It simply means peace. Okay, So look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and I want to finish this thought up here. But you know, all of us are building two piles right now. Look at verse 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry, or garden. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another man buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth. We need to take heed of our, what our works are doing. Are they blessing people? Are they blessing the Father? Or are they cursing people? Or are they, are they cursing the Father? We need to pay attention to what our works are. Well, you can't gossip about somebody and pray for them at the same time. Okay? You can't. You can't work. You can't do salt. The Bible says in the book of James, salt water and fresh water can't come from the same fountain. Okay? So we have to. We are. We are righteous in the side, but a lot of times where our mind sanctification is working in the soul, in our soulish area. Okay? Sanctification again is a three three pronged process, uh, past, present, and future. I'm not going to go into that, or I'll start going to the whole different thing. But look at here where he said again, For we are labors, uh, look at verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man who any man, any man is, is, is built upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. For years, I read that verse like this. One man's going to build a pile of gold, silver, and precious stone. Another man's going to build a pile of wood, hay, and stubble. That is not what that scripture says. Okay? He says, Paul says, Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work. Notice, it's the man's work that's being tried. It's not the man himself. Your work, you are tried. You are, you are, If you're in Christ Jesus, you're already. You, you've, you've already attained. Okay, you've made it. Okay? Why? Well, isn't God going to judge the church? No. In in John chapter 12, verse 32. remember, remember that Jesus said. Uh, now is the judgment of this world in John 32, John 12, 31, 32, somewhere around there. Now is the judgment of this world. The word there, judgment, is the word in the Greek crisis, which we get our English word crisis from. It means turning point. And he said, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Okay? And he, said, he goes on to say, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Notice that men is in italics. What's the subject of the preceding sentence? Judgment. Okay, Judgment. Jesus lifted up. He took all judgment on himself. For God to put you through judgment to make you go through the tribulation period would be a miscarriage of justice. Okay, We have already been judged with Jesus Christ. If you're in him, you're in his body. And God's not going to pour out judgment on his body. Again, he did it at the cross. Right? So isn't that good news? That is, that is, that's marvelous news. Oh, I love that. Praise God. Every man's work shall be manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, so as by fire. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Yes, we should know that. Amen? Why? We need, to be, we, we, need to know, we need to have wisdom and knowledge, okay? The, the, when you look over in Matthew chapter 24, and if we have time, next week we're going to get into Matthew chapter 24. It is one of the most massacred chapters in the Bible and mis, misinterpreted when you get to it. When you talk about the, 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 the 10 versions there in Matthew chapter 25, and he, he starts talking about, I've, heard, I've, heard, I've actually heard. seen people on TV get up in front of churches and say, half of you people are saved and half of you are not saved. And they use the parable of the ten virgins to, to, to enumerate that. That is not true. That is not a church age parable. That is, a par- that is a second advent judgment parable. There are three second advent judgment parables there at the end of Matthew 24 and into Matthew 25. They all deal with people that went through the tribulation period and that are here on the earth at the, at the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, we'll get into that next week. I really don't have time this week to get into that, but it's very, it's very interesting. I think you'll really enjoy it. I think it'll help you. But you know, the Bible says in Isaiah, in, uh, yeah, Isaiah 33, 60 says, And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times and strength of salvation. If you have a Christian who they don't have any stability and they don't have any strength, they're lacking in wisdom and knowledge. Well, what do I do? You can't pray for it. You have to get in the Word. You have to begin to put the Word in. You have to begin to pack the Word, pack the Word, pack the Word. Like, you would, like you, everybody used to uh, pack groceries. you try to get as many in those little paper bags as you could. You need to start packing the Word in. You pack, take the Word in. Take the Word in. Take the Word in. In fact, when we get over to Matthew chapter 24, the disciples ask Jesus three questions. And the first thing he tells them is, be not deceived. Be not deceived. So implying that if you don't pay attention, if you don't have wisdom, if you don't have knowledge, you're going to be deceived. Because there's deception. I mean, with, with so the way media is nowadays, there's so much deception out there, you can't even shake a stick at it anymore. Okay? So, anyway. Okay, so back to the, the uh, rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is the catching away of the body of Christ. The, uh, the word speaks. Okay, you say, well, rapture's not in the Bible. Well, neither is the Trinity, but the, but the, the concept is there, okay? okay well, hold on, let me, get, I got my, let me get some notes here. Let me read something to you, okay? And we're going to look at this scripture in just a minute. So the rapture is most clearly presented in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18. Okay, in verse 17, the English phrase caught up translates the Greek word harpazo, which means to seize upon with force or to snatch up. Latin translators of the Bible use the word rapere, the root of the English term rapture. At the rapture, the dead in Christ will rise first, and then all living believers, born-again ones, will be caught up in the air, translated into the clouds in a moment of time. Okay, now the other two, again, that is a pre-tribulation ritual. Rapture. Okay. In other words, the church will be taken off the earth before Daniel's seventieth week. Okay. We'll get into that. We'll, we'll get into that next week when we get over to Daniel chapter nine verses twenty-four to twenty-seven. We'll talk about uh, that because in a minute we're going to talk about dispensations here in just a minute because you have to understand that God is the God of order. He just didn't. He just doesn't do all this of. Huh, what am I going to do today? No. The Bible says He declares the end. The end in the beginning. He already knows how everything's going to happen. I heard an excellent tape uh, years ago by uh, Dr. Roy Hicks. It was called The Speed of Light. And he mentioned how God sits on the... It's like he's like... He he, he described time as like a big wagon wheel. Okay? And God's sitting there. He's the hub of the wagon wheel. And he can look down these spokes over here. He can see the Garden of Eden. And at the same time, he can see the millennial reign. Because he dwells in in a realm where there's no time. In his dimension, there is no time. No time left for you. You know, that's an old... Guess who's song? No time left for you. I'm back. Okay. 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 Look at, look at, uh, oh, wait a minute. I was going to tell you all the other two uh, rapture theories. There's also the, the partial rapture theory. Those people believe that only certain people will be taken, only certain Christians will be taken off the earth to, be, to go to the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bema, better translated Bema, the reward seat, and then go into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Okay, there's, that's a partial, rep, partial rapture theory. Okay, then there's a post-tribulation theory. These people believe that, that Jesus is, is, the rapture is not going to come back, the rapture is not going to happen until the church goes through the tribulation. There's only one problem with that theory, okay? It's not going to happen. <laughs> that's great. That's great. I love that. It's not going to happen. And I'm, in a minute, I'm going to give you five examples why it can't happen, Okay. It can't happen like that. Oh, gosh, i got to keep... Where does the time go when you... Okay. But anyway, you have, a, you have a mid-trib, pre-trib, and then a post-trib rapture. Okay. Pastor Rusty believes, I believe, I believe the scriptures clearly teach a pre-tribulation rapture. If you don't believe that, you need to study some more. Because I can show you... And we don't have time to do it here because we can show you line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, where the Bible declares that to be true. So the second advent is a totally different event from the rapture of the church, which are at least seven years apart. Because when you go over to Daniel chapter nine, and those four verses there encapsulate the whole remaining period of time from the time that Daniel was given the prophecy until the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll look at that next week. Okay, but as far as the uh, millennium, there's three. There's also three. Uh, well, I guess you call them theories on that. We believe in the premillennialism. Believes in the actual thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ here on the earth. Actual, okay, that it's actually going to happen. Okay, a is they don't believe that there's going to be any. They believe it's all spiritual. Okay, they don't believe. Uh, if you put a millennium, if you put an a, in from a in the Greek it means no. Okay, you know he said, well, why do you always mention the Greek? Everybody understand why we mention the Greek in here or why we don't? Alexander the Great conquered the known world in 12 years from 336 to 323 B.C., okay? And everywhere he he had, he he developed a language called the Koine Greek or the Common Greek language. So by the time that Jesus came along, everybody spoke Greek. You know, everybody spoke Greek and the gospel could be wherever people went. If the gospel was translated in Greek, they they could speak it, okay? And in the, in the New Testament is translated in the, in the Koine Greek, with the exception of a few uh, words, verses. They're in Arama, Aramaic in the Gospels. The Old Testament is is in Hebrew, with the exception of I think about seven chapters in Daniel, which are in Chaldean. Okay, so that's why we we mention the Hebrew. That's why we mention the Greek. you See, because a lot of times when you look at those thing, words in the Greek, sometimes you have to look at the Greek word to see what the Scripture is really talking about. For example, let's go to Hebrews chapter one. And again, the uh, you have the amillennialists, then you have the postmillennialists who believe that Jesus will not come until after the thousand year is over, when the church has straightened everything out, cleared everything up. And then you have the premillennial view, which which I know Pastor Rusty and I both believe that, and I believe the Scripture teaches it that that Jesus will come back before the millennial reign, and he's going to rule. You know, people have an idea that Jesus is going to come back. You know, you see these pictures of him with a lamb, carrying a lamb. They, he's going to come back, oh, you know, like a hippie or something from the 60s. <laughs> no, the Bible says he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. Look at Revelation 19. Well, oh, these scriptures just keep coming up. I keep trying to get somewhere, but the, and I keep getting to these. all the, He's coming back. to dec- Look at Revelation 19. You say, oh, but the book. The Book of Revelation scares me. Well, you should read it then, so it doesn't scare you. Look at verse. Hmm. Did I? I said nineteen, didn't I? 19, nineteen six. Here it is, verse 11. 1911, Revelation. Well, 19, chapter 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open. This is John. Heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And, and when you study Revelation, you, figure, you find out there's two white horses. The first one's in Revelation chapter 6. That's not Jesus, that's the Antichrist. Okay. And we'll talk about him some more next week, maybe, if we have time. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And his, he was dipped with a vesture, dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven, why do you need armies if you're not going to do war? Okay? You don't need an army if you're not going to attack somebody. Which White horse is clothed in fine linen. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Jesus is not coming back as a meek, mild lamb, lamb of God. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah and aren't you glad you're on his team? Amen. Amen. Oh, I thank God every day that I'm not going to be with that other bunch you know (laughs) hallelujah okay so let's go over to uh, hebrews chapter one i want to talk talk a little bit this is kind of yeah this will set us up a little bit for next week we need to talk a little bit about dispensations because god is a god of order you know a lot of times we think you know we do things haphazard sometimes do we not you know god doesn't do that hebrews chapter one Remember, God is a God of order. He's a God of logic. He's planned. The, we're going to find out that He planned the ages. the ages. Look at uh, chapter one, verse one. God, who at sundry—this is God the Father, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past, unto the prophets, unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days. How many of you know we're in the last days? When did the last days start? Day of Pentecost. Remember, Peter got up to say, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, prophesying, uh, quoting Joel's prophecy. But, uh, years ago, there used to be a, uh, uh, what was his name, elder Brother but Brother Astaff, at Lakewood Church, when it was in the round church, when there was maybe 5,000 people there, there was an old prophet there. We were young, man. A lot younger, but and anyway, he every just almost every service he'd sit there on the front row, and there'd be and Brother Osteen had assigned a young man to him, and every every certain part of the service he'd get up and and the young man would have to help him get up. He said, and that and that that man he would prophesy. He said, multitudes multitudes in the valley of decision, for the great God is talking about that in uh, Joel chapter 3, multitudes in the valley, he would prophesy that, and Brother Osteen would always honor him, and he would prophesy that, that same word, every time I'd see that, it'd be in a service there at Lakewood, he would be Brother A-staff, A-staff was his name, Bill? Brother A-staff, was a, Staff. a. Staff. a. Staff. short guy, looked like E.W. Kenyon, and uh, he would prophesy that same word every day. And Brother Osteen would, would, would honor that man and let him prophesy that. And then he'd sit back down. And then that was, that was what he had to say for the service. But in Hebrews, back to Hebrews chapter 1. Hath in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed, heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Draw a line under made the worlds and write planned the ages. Planned the ages. The Greek word for worlds there is not worlds like planets and things. It's the word. It's the word aion, which means ages. Okay. There's three Greek words that when you see them in the New Testament, when you see the word, when we see the pro- see the word world, the word world. There's three Greek words that are translated there. One is cosmos. This is the most common. Okay, and it means the world system. And if we get to this, if I have time. Yeah. If I have time next week, we'll talk about why the rapture, the why the I mean the, not the rapture, but the tribulation period. The worst part of the tribulation will be focused in the area of the old Roman Empire, from back when the Roman Empire was here. Okay, and it's all between one Greek word, world. Okay, the second world is aion, which means age. It's a i o n, and it means like an age or a time period. Okay, the third word is okamene, and it means the part of the earth ruled by the Roman Empire. Where do you find that scripture? You find it in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. And then shall the end come. That is not talking about the rapture of the church, people. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. Have you, uh, how many people have always heard that's talking about the rapture? I've heard that many times. About, talking about That is not talking about the rapture of the church. He's talking about the end of the tribulation. Okay? And then when you get over there into Acts chapter 17, you get around verse 6. Verse 6, where it says, where Paul was there at Thessalonica, and he said, uh, they, they, they stirred up the, the, the Jews. The, those are the, kind of like Bo. Those are the, those are the those, uh, evil men of the base sort, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Bo. But he said, they stirred up the Jews. He said, these, they kept going around and say, these are them that have turned the world. Upside down, the Roman Empire. Also, verse chapter 24 of Acts, where he says, where, the, where they were attacking Paul. They said, we found this guy, a pestilent fellow. Wherever he goes in the world, he gets people upset. That's talking about the Roman Empire. So it's not the entire planet, okay? So there's three Greek words, okay? We'll, look at, we'll get into more of that next week. But anyway, there in, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, God who in different time periods, the, the Greek word there is polomeros, and in different ways in this polotropos polo meaning simple or varied, spoke in time passing to the Jewish fathers through the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by the Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he planned the ages. Okay, now that... Uh, you know, people ask me, where do you get all this stuff? Actually, I get a lot of my stuff from the Dake Bible. I also have a, an outstanding book by Dwight Pentecost called Things to Come. I mean, it's a big, thick book. It's about almost 600 pages. But he goes into exquisite detail about about dispensations, about the end times. I mean, if you have, if you have some time, like I do, so... <laughs> Uh, you, it's, a, it's an outstanding book to read. Another good book that I wrote is by Pastor Bob Gandy in, on understanding the end times. Uh, Charles Caps wrote a good book called End Time Events, okay, that, I, that I've gotten a lot of good stuff from. Anything by Hal Lindsey is good, okay. Uh, Hilton Sutton. I had the, actually had the privilege of meeting him at Church of the Living God on August the first, 1980, and actually got to visit with him. Uh, before a service down there, and he was explaining to me where he got a lot of his material from. It's a lot, Most of it was from the Dakes Bible. Now, if you don't agree with the Dakes Bible, that's fine. You know, you got to love me anyway, okay? Like I said, just leave your rocks and shells at the back door. But anyway, if you don't agree with it, that's fine. That's no problem. You know, you can believe what you like. But that's where I get uh, most of my t- stuff that I've been going through in Sunday school. We've been going through end times in Sunday school for like 13 months now, and I'm, there's no end in sight yet, really, so. But, uh, <laughs> That's where I get a lot of my material from. That, and praying and studying. Okay, praying and studying, reading the Word, looking up the words. And you know, I got this little program on my iPad that you just hit that word, and it brings up the Greek with the definition, Strong's, and everything. brings it. it's, it's great. Computers are great, <laughs> For most most of the time. Okay, <laughs> Hebrews eleven chapter three says, through faith, we understand that the worlds, again, ages, were framed by the Word of God. Okay, which is Ramah, spoken the spoken word of God, so that things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. Okay, One, a friend, a friend, right under framed it says arranged or put in order. So God planned the ages. Okay, He's planned it. Look at Philippians, uh, Ephesians chapter three. Going off script here again, but it's okay. I still got a few minutes. Look at chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God. Okay? The dispensation of the grace of God. Which is given to you, word, how that by revelation he made unto known to be the mystery. As I wrote before in a few words, Paul, everything Paul got, he got by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. And over there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14, he says, This I say by the word of... And we're going to finish with that in a minute. This I say by the word of the Lord. He said, I didn't get this from a man. It wasn't taught to me from a man. I certify to you, brethren, that what I see I got from the Lord Jesus Christ himself face to face. Okay? Jesus Christ appeared to him face to face and taught him these things. Okay, It's not something that we made up. It's not something that he just dreamed up out in the deserts of Arabia. Jesus Christ taught him these things face to face. So if Jesus tells you something, it's a good thing time to pay attention. Amen? Okay. So, Whereby when you read, Now how by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. There's that Greek mystery again. As I wrote afore in a few words. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Again, there's the Greek word mysterion. Which in other ages, wrong, generations, was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the word of the Spirit. You have to understand that the church age... The rapture of the church, everything that, t- that, t- that took place is in, taking place in the church age was not revealed to Daniel. It wasn't revealed to the Old Testament prophets. It wasn't revealed to the Old Testament people anyway. The devil didn't know about it. The angels didn't know about it. The church age was a mystery. The rapture of the church is a mystery. Okay, It had, was not revealed until, Paul, until God chose the apostle Paul to reveal it to and gave it to him to reveal it to the earth. Amen? Okay, so one more thing. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians and this will get you shouting. This will get you shouting. I think. Oh. If it doesn't, it should. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You know I had all these good notes in here. everything. Roland, you want these? <laughs> I, had, I had all the... Well, I was going to give them to you, wasn't I, Chelsea? I, I'll print you some off at home. Now Roland, you need them probably more. So. <laughs> Remember, any arguments come in your way. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 13. But I would you know, when you get into the old when you get into the New Testament, there's three ch- three chapters where God doesn't want you ignorant. We shouldn't be ignorant, okay? Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 starts with that way. God doesn't want you ignorant. And the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 10 is about types and shadows, okay, from the Old Testament. God doesn't want you ignorant about that. The second time you find it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, spiritual gifts. God doesn't want you ignorant concerning spiritual gifts, okay? Is there more thing that causes problems than types and shadows and and spiritual gifts people want to argue about them? You know, well, I don't believe this, I believe that. You know, just stow all that. But anyway, look at this for third, last time. There's one other place. Is It's right here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. It says, but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Now, you single ladies, there's your word. Some guy comes up to you and wants to ask you for a date. There's your scripture right there. <laughs> I would not have you ignorant brethren. <laughs> so some, somebody, Hannah, some, some guy come up to you that you don't want to have nothing to do with? Say, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. First thing, <laughs> you probably will this. Just tell them, go read it. There's your answer. (laughs) I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. Concerning them which are asleep or that have died, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do, even so them also, them who, them which died before us, which sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Okay, this is not Paul's opinion. The word of the Lord came to him. God, Jesus appeared to him in person and showed him these things. It told him these things. It taught him these things. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. He says, I certify unto you, brethren, that the gospel that I preach unto you is not after man. Neither He said, I didn't learn it of man, but I got it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ himself. For the Lord himself... Uh, verse 15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, actually precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, the rapture of the church is so important and it's so magnificent that he's not going to delegate it to an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, or a pastor, or a teacher, or an angel. He is going to perform this thing himself. He is coming back for his body, and it is, it, it is very, very close. It's, it, I would—I hesitate to use the word imminent because I don't know. You know, well, brother, you never know when Jesus is coming. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Well, that's true. You don't even have to be spiritual to realize that. You know, anybody ever crossed a time zone? <laughs> anybody ever got jet lag? So, of course, nobody knows the day or the hour because there's always two days on the planet at any given time, and there's 24 time zones. So how could you know the day or the hour? I mean, you, like I said, Dustin, you don't even have to be spiritual to know that. <laughs> so. He say, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. That is a command. The command is for the dead to wake up. The dead in Christ to wake up. Just like when Jesus raised Lazarus from the tomb. He said, Lazarus, come forth. That was a command. Okay? And with the voice of the archangel. That's Michael. And with the trump of God. Notice that's God's trumpet. That's not an angelic trumpet. That's God's trumpet. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Caught up? Caught up? Yeah. Snatched away? Caught up? Harpazo? Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Whetherfore, scare the doodle waddle out of people with... <laughs> That's not what it says. The rapture is a, is a message of hope and comfort for the believer. So no so matter what you see going on in the earth, hey, I know how this, I know how this thing's going to end. What if you go to? What if you die first? Glory to God! I'll be there first. I'll have a look around and let you know. You know. So, so wherefore comfort one another with these words? Okay. Then he goes on in verse. Oh man, I'm out of time, bro. Uh, I'm Trying to think. What do, do I want to close this thing in? So, isn't this good? Has this helped anybody? Y'all ought to come to Sunday school. We have a lot of fun in Sunday school. It's short, but we still have a lot of fun. Okay. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And again, I was telling you earlier that the second Advent is a different event, and I'm going to close with this, is a totally different event from the rapture of the church. Look over in 2 Thessalonians Chapter, verse, chapter 1, verse 7. Here we have a description of the second advent or the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll get into this again more next week. And you who are troubled, rest with us. If you're troubled, rest. That's your command, rest. If you're troubled, rest. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe because of our testimony among you who believing in that day. To break it down succinctly, the rapture of the church is Jesus coming for His saints, for His church, Church, and the second coming is coming back with his saints and with his church to rule and reign on this planet for a thousand years. From the time he comes back, he sets his foot on the Mount of Olives until the, the millennial reign starts, it's 75 days. Okay, what's going to happen during that time? That's when the judgment of the nations are going to take place. That's when the second advent judgment parables are going to take place in, in Matthew, end of Matthew chapter 24 and Matthew chapter 25. And it's going to take 75 days to get all that straightened out. But you know what? He's going to do it. Amen. Okay, Roland. Let me see that. Just one. I know what time it is, but let me let me just let me just read one more thing to y'all. I want to I want to give you some contrast between the second coming and the and the and the uh, rapture of the church. Uh, that's that last bow. That's that last sheet. Okay, the rapture, second coming. At the rapture of the church, all believers. It's a translation of all believers. At the second coming, it's a translation of all unbelievers. We're going to find out next week that at the rapture of the church, that at the second coming, the unbelievers are going to be the ones that are taken off the earth. Just like in the days of Noah, who was taken off the earth? Unbelievers. Believers weren't taken off at the the flood. Noah was saved. Number two, translated saints go to heaven. And, and, And the second coming, translated saints return to earth. And at the rapture, the earth is not judged. The earth is not judged. At the second coming, the earth is judged. And righteousness is established. Okay, the rapture is imminent, it is signless, and it could happen at any time. The, The second coming follows definite, predicted signs, including the tribulation period, which is one of the signs. Okay, the rapture or the tribulation, the rapture or the translation, it's not in the Old Testament. Why? Because it was a mystery. They wouldn't have explained, they wouldn't understood it if you explained it to them. It's a mystery. And, and the second coming is predicted many times in the Old Testament. That's not it. Anyway. Okay. The rapture precedes the day of wrath. The second coming concludes the day of wrath. Okay? In the rapture, there's no reference to Satan. We may, we may get into his area a little bit next week and find out why the middle, why the worst second half of the tribulation is so much worse than the first part. There's a clue there in Revelation chapter 12, so that's your homework assignment. See if you can find it. <laughs> Amen. Okay, precedes the day of wrath. The, the second coming concludes the day of wrath. There's no reference to Satan at the rapture. Satan is bound for a thousand years at the second advent. Okay, in the rapture of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ comes for his own. In the second advent, he comes with his own. Okay, he comes in the air at the rapture of the church. He doesn't. His foot doesn't touch the earth. Okay, but at the second advent, it will. It will touch the Mount of Olives. That Mount, his foot will, and that then that mountain will split in two from the east to the west, and a great valley will be formed there. And the, uh, I think the Dead Sea, if I remember right, don't quote don't quote me on this, but I think that's when the Dead Sea is going to be reju- re- uh, rejuvenated as a result of that. Okay, <clears throat> he comes to claim his bride at the rapture. And the second coming, he comes with his by, and the rapture of the church—only his own will see him. Only his own, only believers. Okay, at the second advent, every eye will see him. Okay, at the sac- at the rapture of the church, the tribulation begins, which again is Daniel's seventieth week, and we'll get—we'll talk about Daniel seventy, Daniel, Daniel chapter nine, verse twenty-four through twenty-seven. And if you can understand that prophecy, you can understand Bible prophecy. Because it's all broken down into dispensations. The, the dispensation that we're in—I didn't have time to go through them—but the one we're in right now is called the age of grace. Okay, that's why God's not stoning people now, right now. Okay, you know some of the things people are doing—all these strange creatures that are on the planet now, doing all these kind of strange things, and you, this one marrying that one, and, and all kind of different odd things. You know, in, in my younger days, we didn't ever even dream of some of this stuff. You know. In, 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 further, in past dispensations, those people would have been under a death sentence. But right now, they're under grace. God's, God's not holding it against them. He's not holding it against them. Okay, why? Because He's, been given, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Which, and he's, Jesus has been the propitiation for our sins, which means God was satisfied with His sacrifice that He's not holding anything against the enemy. He's a good God. He, I, I just, I really love Easter time, and I just really love that song by uh, Don Francisco, He's Alive. I mean, I, I love that song, it, with, especially when, you, when it's accompanied with a video where it shows you how good you, He is such a good God. You say, well, this is all, you know, this is great information, but how does it apply to me today? Now is not the time to sit on the fence. Now is not the time to wonder, well, am I saved, am I not saved? You can be saved right now. What do, you, well, what do I have to do? Well, you just follow the directions in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. Okay? Okay? But you can be born again now. You do not have to go another day without wondering, will I go to heaven? You, know, have, you have believers now that, will I make the rapture, will I not? Yeah, you're going to make the rapture. Get in the book. Get in the book. Find out what the book says. Find out what the book Oh, Johnny Cash had a song about it during the first Gulf War, going by the book, remember that? Going by the book. Everything's going by the book. It's going by the book. And it's going to go by the book. Why? Because God said it was. Amen. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.